You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. I'm going to go. Unless you stop me. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> you see what I did there? I stopped you by saying. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Sam Claiborne. Hey, it's great to be joined, everybody. And Justin Davis. Scoop. We've got a great show for you this week. It's the start of Summer of Gaming, sort of uh, not E3 game announcement season. We're going to talk about, um, we've got actually a, a guessing game that was sent in from one of our listeners in the UK. We have a request for some local co-op recommendations for Xbox One. But first, mm. Sony held its state of play yesterday. A uh, 30-minute presentation really kicking off the summer gaming announcement season. And I think everyone seems to be pretty happy with, with the event overall. They're uh, sandwiched with two really big, you know, a, a big reveal and then a big update. We got Resident Evil 4 Remake finally announced. I'm very interested to hear what Sam thinks about that. Mm-hmm. They ended with a gameplay trailer for Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 16 and the announcement that it's going to be coming in summer 2023. And then there was some big stuff uh, sandwiched in the middle, like Street Fighter 6 updates on uh, some uh, PSVR 2 games and uh, a new update for Horizon Forbidden West that was out yesterday. So my takeaway was that, yeah, there's like several big games in there that look really cool, but they're coming next year. Nothing announced for the rest of this year, This uh, rest of this year for Sony and I guess for a lot of the industry. Looks very, very quiet, very empty. Of course, we're still at the very beginning of announcement season, so we'll see how things look in a week or so. But um, I don't know, Tina, what were your overall thoughts from the Sony state of play yesterday? 
man, they are really good at like being like, oh, listen, it's just going to be some VR updates. Don't worry about (laughs) it. Don't look into it too much. But anyway, we've got, you know, Street Fighter and we've got Final Fantasy and my personal favorite, we've got the Callisto Protocol, which is, I believe, coming out in December. Yeah. Um, And that that game, and I feel like there was a little bit of something for everyone too. Like I might not be the biggest VR player, although I'm quite Mm -hmm. intrigued by the fact that there's another Resident Evil chapter on VR just because seven scared me to death. Uh, and I cannot imagine playing village with all the very well designed, but I don't want them in my face directly uh, <laughs> enemies in that game. Uh, do not know that I would replay it for that purpose, but I think there are people who would, and there are people that like the thrill of that. Meanwhile, I like the, uh, you know, third person over the shoulder Callisto protocol, obviously very dead spacey considering it comes from mm-hmm. Glenn Schofield's uh, studio striking distance. So that one was a personal fan favorite of mine. So I think it was really tight and they managed to deliver a lot in that time with a couple 2022 release dates, but not maybe not on uh, the, the the big AAA, what people are expecting from Sony side. Mm. Of course, no update on God of War Ragnarok. They said ahead of time it was going to be third parties, uh, mostly except for PSVR 2. So didn't expect that. But still, it still has not been given a release date this year. Uh, anyone? I mean, they had Spider-Man and Horizon in it. Like, I, I that that third-party thing was not true, you know. So that's yeah, but true. if they said first-party, then people would have gotten their hopes up. So that's what their, you know, yeah. the great messaging system yeah. works on. To, yeah, clear, to your point, you know, it was a good strategy. Like they wowed everybody by controlling expectations, right? Like that made it a good right. show. It really did. And to, Absolutely. To clarify, it's the original Spider-Man coming to PC. It wasn't mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2. And then, yeah, yeah. A, a new like new Game Plus update for Horizon Forbidden West that was out immediately. Mm. So no one's no one was like, no one's like concerned. Maybe concern is too harsh a word, but no one like raised an eyebrow that there was nothing big announced from Sony for the rest of the year. That's kind of I mean, everybody though, the, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's true. And I guess historically- And that's the thing right. about, sorry, Damon, that's the thing about these summer events. It's like, it kind of gives you another sh- uh, snapshot and gets to kind of, be that mid-year hitting the reset button on messaging for all the the major publishers mm-hmm. to get another chance before the big holiday season coming up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Callisto Protocol in December. I'm I'm happy with that. Gives me something to play. <laughs> Can you imagine very, very being cool. a, making like a totally terrifying, awesome horror game looking thing and being mm-hmm. like, well, we can't really make October 31st. So. I Happy know, holidays, everybody. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that doesn't matter to me. Horror all year round, guys. That's my philosophy in life. It's Dead Space, Movies, too. Shows. Now, these, these, those two games yeah. are like a month apart now. It's going to be kind of interesting. Yeah. True. It's true. It'll be interesting yeah. to see. And then like, Stray in July. Stray is in July. Yep. Uh, which, with, I'm sorry, it's um, July 19th, and it's going to be included yeah. in PS Plus if you have the what extra mm-hmm. tier, which is very cool. It's cool that like now that's been something that xbox has been able to do for years during these pre- presentations they're gonna be like and it's coming day one to game pass mm-hmm. now that sony has all new playstation plus they have that bullet in, in the chamber as well right um, the, that game looks like like that could work really well i don't i can't think of a game that like captures that kind of movement of cats and everything <laughs> they show is like oh yeah that's my cat has done oh that before God. like a total idiot sometimes and some that he shouldn't be you know it just looks great seeing a cat but intentionally around. an idiot because they're curious yeah. um i love the scene where the cat just like walks on a ledge and knocks down yeah. every single bottle that's exactly. on there yeah. it's just so cat-like yeah, <laughs> yeah and i'm curious about that world they showed a few things that just were like really cool like kind of you know cyberpunk design type stuff like it just looked mm-hmm. really neat and like you wonder why the cat has the 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 
you know, computer backpack and stuff like that. Like it's all, it's all very intriguing. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. There was a a PlayStation blog post from the developer talking about how they really did spend, they spent years trying to get like the movement of the cat right. And Mm -hmm. it's a small development team in France, I believe, but they're all cat owners. And there's a couple official studio cats that live in the studio. Do you think it'll have a character creator? Look, here's the bottle. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, I hope this is good. I hope it's not one of those situations where it's like a cool looking indie game that, uh, you know, arrives into PlayStation Plus, but then ends up, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of Bugsnacks. It was like leading up to Bugsnacks. Like this game looks great. But then when it was like finally here, it was kind of like, oh, well, this is, meh. this is kind of meh. Oh, like more of a novelty thing. Because it's cute that it's a cat. Yeah. I like, I like Bugsnacks. I know some people, I know some people like Bugsnacks. Didn't, it didn't do much for me. Counterpoint, Tunic ended up amazing. Tunic did end up amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Sam, tell me what you think about Resident Evil 4 Remake. Oh, man. Uh, so I have so many thoughts, and I cannot wait to play this game. I've played Resident Evil on every possible system. I loved it on Wii. It was so good when it changed up the control schemes. And, um, you know, to be like motion controls, I'm, I, you, know, you may be shocked to hear me saying that, but it was great. I, you know basically platinumed it. I, I love the, the the arcade mode and everything. Uh, so then uh, I played it on Switch. I've played it on uh, next-gen or uh, whatever, last-gen systems too. Like, I can't get enough of this game. And what's even better is that they're apparently building it from scratch because this game has this, this specific control scheme where it was like of that GameCube era where uh, that and Metroid Prime both like had you kind of stop to shoot. You kind of, you know, and then you could turn around really quickly, but you have to kind of stop and then aim. And that feels really strange now. Um, it's just games don't do that. And neither, you know, Resident Evil 2 and 3 didn't do that. So they released a press release alongside this that was saying, like, new controls and then a new way to tell the story, which is like, what does that mean? I don't really know. Like, it sounds like Leon's voice is, is different and everything. But, like, mm-hmm. everything they showed, like, it looks like Resident Evil 4, but, you know, so much better. And I'll also say that, like, 2 and 3, Resident Evil 2 and 3, are, like, tiny games compared to this game. This game is so huge. It just goes on and on and on. Um, two is a bigger game than three because three is kind of a spinoff of two. But like this is exciting because you don't backtrack through you know this one police station and then through like, you backtrack through this giant village for a long time and then you're in. I don't even <coughs> want to go into some of the other environments, but in our original review is one of my favorite reviews. I think Matt Castellanosina wrote it, but I just remember to this day him describing how you move through so many environments and so many large areas that by time, by the time you look back, you know, it's like, you can't, can't believe that you're on, you know, an Island at some point, like, you know, with this facility or something, it's just kind of remarkable. And like, that's this game to me. It's just this huge action horror game. I think it's for my money, the best action horror thing ever better than any movie, any, anything. I think it's so good. And I think it's such a good mix of like, you know, explosions and, not zombies and aliens and stuff like that. You know, I don't even know oh, if they're aliens. What are plugs? I was gonna say. <laughs> well, what are they? They're like they're virus. They're like virus things. You know, like I don't know what they are. And the whole Resident Evil series, there's like basically other otherworldly s creatures, but I guess yeah. they're from mutations. Is that what they're? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know what Umbrella's got in their laboratories. It's some kind of meteor. We don't know. I'm super excited for this. I've loved I, I, Resident Evil. Has really been on. Um, sort of got its mojo back starting with Resident Evil 7, I think. And I've, I loved Village. I love the remakes of 2 and 3. So very excited for this. It's a little bit of an interesting case, though, because as you say, Resident Evil 4 holds up so much better. The original Resident Evil 4 holds up so much better than 2 and 3 do, right? They're, it's much less in need of a complete remake. 
Yeah. So, so if guess, there's a leap that they do that's that intentional, like holy yeah. crap. Yeah. So it could like, either go like it could be like better than we could have possibly imagined, or it could, or maybe it's like it's not quite as uh, significant as we might have thought. You know, I guess it could yeah. go either way. We'll see. Yeah. Justin, you famously don't like spookies, but you got two spooky games in this state of play. <laughs> yeah, I think the last horror game I played was Resident Evil 4. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess maybe I messed around with Evil Within. And so, yeah, really excited about it. But the, the game from the state of play that had me most, and no one's more surprised by this than me, but it was Horizon Call of the Mountain. Is that what it's called? The VR yeah. game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think we're all like when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, OK, that looks good. But then when I was reflecting on it later, the, VR games don't like just the way that VR works and the field of view that you have to have. They don't look as good as like 4K AAA games. They're always a little bit janky graphically. Float, they're like floating hands that don't. Yeah, they're just like, realistic yeah. Game. Although Horizon does have floating hands for like gameplay mm-hmm. reasons, but just visually and um you know i guess half-life alex is like the one exception of like a big triple a looking vr game and everything else is like a generation or two behind and so once i sort of i watched it a second time the first time i watched it i was just watching it as entertainment i'm like okay yeah this looks cool but then when i watched it back sort of realizing this whole experience is going to be in vr and you're going to be like in it i like it's undoubtedly like if this is what the game actually looks like it's like the best looking vr anything ever right like nothing no one's ever been able to accomplish something like this in vr half-life alex is the only thing that comes close so um you know and i'm not i like vr you know like like everybody else it's sort of a technology enthusiast but i'm not like a massive fanboy for vr like i'll kind of take it or leave it but like goodness gracious this looks like it really could be a killer app for psvr too yeah, so I, no. I worry that it's like too. I, I can't tell from the game. I worry much like on rails, just like look to the left and right and shoot. Sometimes you know m- move forward a little bit. Like I just can't tell what kind of game it is. And maybe that's really fun and looks good, but that's like an arcade game to me. And like I don't know. Yeah, I love arcade games. <laughs> yes, I like yeah, arcade like games them. before before 1983. I like them. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think it probably is right. Like it's probably pretty guided and pl- it's more of an experience, right? But like, like House I of the think Dead. That- yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, we can only speculate. But even even if it is that, like, even if it's not Horizon Forbidden Dawn ish, like, it's still. I just, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I'm really, I'm really pumped to like get in here and put that headset on and just experience this. Mm. So no release date or price for PSVR two though. Uh, so there's Resident Evil Four remake. Callisto Protocol has a uh, as a release date December second. So we actually have an awesome run of survival horror games coming up late this year, early next year. Cause you have, Oh yeah. Callisto protocol in December, dead space remake in January, and then yeah. resident evil four remake on March 24th, 2023. Yeah, so that's a great, like a great run. Callisto protocol. I got to say too, like it looks different. It's gory and creepy and cool in a different way than dead spaces. And like, I'm just like, I'm so impressed by that game. It just looks so cool and like its own thing. And I, I can't wait to play that. Different how, because to me, it looks like dead space. <laughs> it's like all those, um, name only, which is, which is fine. It's fine. I like how yeah, it's and like the protagonist movement and no. the, in the design of the enemies and those kind of close encounters, like, obviously the dark ambiance. You could have told me that, this is but, the dead space remake. And I just, I probably would have right. just accepted it. <laughs> or the next dead space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I do think like one thing that's cool. Like I like this scene in particular, I'm sure this is a cut scene, how that plays out, but, um, cause it seems like you're hanging upside down there, but I like how, 
it feels like it borrows from certain kind of cinematic horror experiences too, like different angles and like lingering shots and kind of building up that dread. I love it. I love it a lot. It's so gory. Like that's, that's a difference for me is that like dead space had those incredible skin monsters and they did horrible things to you, but it's crazy to see that the renderings that you see in this. And like, we haven't seen that much of the dead space remake. Like we see a bunch of tech demos and like all this stuff. So it's like the leap in quality. in this is like astounding to me. It's just like, it's really cool looking. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see these games coming out so close to one another, which one like does the original dead space Mm. remade hold up better than the original creative dead space, making an all new game. That's very similar. I don't know. It's going to be be cool to compare those. And then there's final fantasy 16 coming summer, 2023. That's a little bit later than I thought. I don't know about you guys because I just we've heard that you know thing that development is like maybe wrapping up and that they have some uh, lots of information to share soon. I don't know. How about you guys? Yeah, it, it had vibes of well, look, we could tell you November and then just delay it. <laughs> yeah. But why don't we just yeah. get it? Like they they already it, it, the vibe to me is that they already baked in the delay in like that release date announcement. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, Justin loves Final Fantasy fifteen. Sam and Tina both love <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake. What do we think about Final Fantasy XVI? It looks I mean, great. Once you, yeah, like once you hand me, hand me my buddies, which are the summons, mm. I love that it's like, you know, that's the through line through a lot of the series. And yeah. that familiarity like brings me back to my other uh, favorite Final Fantasy game of Final Fantasy X, which I have shared many, many times. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's nice to see that kind of connection and it's always exciting. It, um, it, it brings a lot of fanfare. And then from what we understand, I think even just today, as we're recording this, there's just a couple more details about who's actually working on it. So like the DMC original combat designer, for instance, which makes a lot of sense, uh, is working on this game too. So cool little details like that seem like it'll make for an enjoyable gameplay experience too. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, um, turn-based combat in the mainline Final Fantasy games is just done. Um, and you know, who knows what they'll do for 17 or 18, but it's been several games now since that was sort of like, they're, they're, they're getting farther and farther away from that. And the combat's becoming more action oriented, which is, you know, more modern and more in line with like gaming tastes in 2022. I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I think I'm the only person on earth that liked 15's battle system, but I, I did like it. And this feels like based off whatever, like the 20 seconds of footage we got, like, it looks like an evolution of that and sort of the, the strategic action oriented combat and seven remake. Um, it looks really fun, but it does make me wish, I wish square Enix would like parallel path. Like let's do like an old school turn-based, you know, mm. f- final fantasy kind of game or, and then let's also do this more modern take on it. But now, as I say that out loud, I guess I guess Dragon Quest is keeping the old school torch alive, isn't it? So maybe maybe Final Fantasy is their opportunity to kind of evolve or take RPGs in a new direction, and then Dragon Quest is keeping the more traditional style um, still still prominent. I did see a lot of disappointment in the IGN comments about the battle system, and that it's not oh, really? more, that it's not more strictly turn based. Mm. Good. Well, maybe I'm not crazy then. Yeah, I like the strategy of turn based. It makes a lot of sense to me. You get to kind of slow your roll and figure out. Yeah. All right. At what po- at what point in time am I running out of potions or these spells or you know health on this character and these special moves, etc. I like that strategizing. Sam, how about you? Yeah. So I I would have defended you know turn based Final Fantasy until I played seven. Like I just think that that game 
worked so well that I wish that was just the battle system that I knew was coming in this game. Like, I actually don't want them to tweak that very much. I think that was the way to go. And I, um, you know, I didn't get as into it in 15, but I thought it was like totally adequate. I just think like the further that we get from Final Fantasy VII Remake, the like the <clears throat> more worried I am. Um, but like, I, I think that's the best RPG action combat I've ever played. I just love it. Um, I, uh, I really like uh, that this game seems to have like some kind of theme around maybe just they're just showing this first but it was it was unclear but some kind of theme around the summons like if it was a storyline about the summons and like them biting and something like that would be really interesting and like kind of a almost like a final fantasy meta theme which would be like awesome that'd be so cool um this is a very very different vibe from the very start than 15 was which was always about road tripping boys right it was about (laughs) like it was about like funny hair and like quips and like a, a car, you know, yeah. like this, this couldn't be more different than that. This is the opposite end. It's like mm-hmm. fantasy. It is, mm-hmm. it is, you know, dragons and castles and stuff like that. And like the art doesn't look particularly welcoming or cartoony in any way. Even the chocobos look like tough, you yeah. know, like, and the, the, everything looks gray and like kind of washed out. Like it almost looks like they're like kind of inspired by like a, a like a Western Skyrim you know, a, a style or something like that. I can't tell what it's going for. Um, the the you know like it just looks it looks gritty, and like I think that could really work for Final Fantasy. Like I I pictured in my mind as a kid Final Fantasy three or six uh, yeah. in Japan feeling like this and looking like this and like having this kind of like I mean the world gets erased in that game and it's a total disaster (laughs) you know it's an incredible dark storyline and like i would be up for that after uh, some light ones like final fantasy 15 and seven it's kind of a mix right like there's a lot of jokes in that game and a lot of like goofiness Mm -hmm. and the characters are goofy and they're like caricatures you know um but you you come to love them and, and they have like serious moments and of course there's a very serious moment in that game so i understand that but this is, this is it's really hard to tell where this game is going and i don't think it's going to make next summer at all i can't believe people <laughs> expected it to be out this year there's no way like if they're showing this much of it like i don't know Se- seven has half of that game out and it's been 10 years like i don't know what kind of timeline these <clears> games are on but like if it comes out next summer it might not be the giant final fantasy we expect <laughs> yeah, I mean, if this game comes out next summer, does that mean that the Seven Remake Part Two is twenty twenty four? Yeah, when's that coming out? Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. release two big mainline Final Fantasies in one year, would they? So I don't know what that means for that game. I continue to be so annoyed by the existence of the Final Fantasy Seven <laughs> Remake, <laughs> even though I had fun playing by it. By the time it comes I had fun out, playing it. We'll just, have to replay it. I know. Just I had to fun keep up with the storyline. Oh, totally. Just the way that Square is handling it is so obnoxious to me. And then there's Street Fighter Six, which you know I think I'm, I'm not a huge fighting game fan, but I think parts of this seem really cool to me. There's apparently like a an open world ish single player mode, which I welcome because I loved playing the single player story mode in Mortal Kombat 11. They can do something along those same lines in Street Fighter Six. I'll totally play that. Do you see they didn't have it in their stream, but did you see like the commentator mode announcement in the trailer later? It's that so cool. cool. That seems cool and, too. And, and it's one of those things where it's one of those brilliant additions. If you didn't see it, they have, you know, casters that when you're playing the CPU or just playing the game, they'll give you play by play. Like, you know, and these are actual humans, like actual, you know, like well-known uh, casters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's one of the, like when I saw the trailer, I'm like, I can't believe that hasn't been a thing 
for the yeah, last 20 years. Because it's been in sports games forever, yeah. right? Exactly. It's so brilliant. And like, I, I don't know, I really like, I'm not a big fighting game guy either, but I admire them from afar and pick them up and play them once in a while. And like, it just really feels like Capcom understands the fighting game community and understand like just from the art and from the, just everything I'm seeing about this game and it's general sort of vibe. And uh, you, we saw it at the beginning of the trailer. If you're watching the video version of scoop, like the sort of, um, uh, street and graffiti style that they're bringing forward for this game. It, it, um, it really seems great. Yeah, I think it looks cool. Um, and then I'll, it's also been announced to be coming to Xbox, which is nice because I don't think Street Fighter V ever did come to Xbox. Oh, really? Um, that was all the big stuff that stood out to me from State of Play. Anything, else, anything anyone else wants to mention? I really liked, I had to look up the name of it because I forgot. That indie game season, A Letter to the Future. I thought oh, just... Yeah. Like, I don't really know that much about the gameplay or like it was more of a mood trailer, but I just, I felt like kind of sucked into my screen and enamored with what I was seeing. And it definitely accomplished what a teaser trailer should do where I'm like, wow, I really want to learn more about this. Well, you do know you ride a bike to traverse around the world. Yeah. That's that gameplay. It's n- not enough of that. that it's good. like that and um, Costume Quest. You ride a bike in that game. And Paperboy. Paperboy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Pokemon. Can we think of more Pokemon? You you ride a bike in Pokemon? Yeah, it's I, I it's, it's extremely helpful. And in, uh, in the first Pokemon game on Ford, when you get a bike, you can like move twice as fast around the environment. Surely, there's been some sort of like like a BMX trick game. Right? Oh yeah, well Surely. there's BMX triple X triple X, yeah. Which you know. <laughs> well, I mentioned this earlier, but speaking of character designers and BMX triple X, that's an infamous one. Uh, but character designer for Stray would be great. I want to design my own cat. Um, you want to make Rocket? Yeah, well, he's he'd be easy to design. He's just a color yep. ship. But it'd be cool. If, like, can you imagine the appeal of like a very good cat designer, where it's like you could really make any sort of you know cat because cats come in so many different prints and varieties and everything, and sometimes they're like half a cow cat and half a tiger cat, you know. And mm-hmm. it'd be so fun to do that and b- build your cat in a game. I would just love that. Color their toe beans the right colors. Mm-hmm. Get that right. Yeah, you don't see the. I don't, I don't know how many opportun- opportunities you'd have to see those in game. But mm-hmm. well, okay, but to be fair, you could customize your genitals in Cyberpunk. So yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> there's a. Uh, I'm sure there's games that have like intense horse creators and stuff because there's like a whole horse gaming community, and that's the same idea. So they can come in so many different colors and varieties and everything. Yeah, I want that for cats. All right, so that was Sony State of Play. Uh, coming up later on next week is uh, Summer Game Fest on Thursday, and then the, the Xbox Bethesda Showcase is on f- Sunday. Sandwiched in between there is the IGN Expo on Friday. So lots of good stuff. Should be lots of fun announcements coming on the way, and you can watch it all on IGN. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Yeah. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Sakani from Chicago did. And they say, I've been ready for a while to make the jump to current-gen consoles. Unfortunately, I decided to go with the PlayStation 5, and those things are still hard to come by. Then one day at Target, I saw something I thought to be impossible, an Xbox Series X just sitting on a shelf in the electronics Ooh. section. <laughs> I'm now rethinking my console of choice. I decided to go with the PS5 because of awesome single-player experiences like Spider-Man, Rise of Forbidden West, and more. However, I have to weigh this against the value of Game Pass Ultimate and the fact that I can actually buy an Xbox. So my question is, as someone that is almost exclusively interested in quality, single-player gaming experiences, 
I have absolutely no interest in any form of online multiplayer. Is it worth it to settle for an Xbox or should I hold out for the PS5? I know most games these days are cross-platform, but does the Xbox have any single-player exclusives, current or upcoming, that can rival what's on the PlayStation 5? Mm. Well, first of all, Sakani, that Xbox is 100% gone. So I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, not, it's not there anymore. <laughs> maybe, maybe if you hide it behind the paper towels somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I stuck it or something the that moves less than yeah, paper not towels. paper towels. Don't the hide it behind the furniture. paper towels or the toilet paper. Yeah, hide it behind like the 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 canned beets. Yep. Yes. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the fact of the matter is that uh, this is like a, such a funny reason for a GameStop to still exist because you could totally get a, a Series X and then when PS5s are available, you just go trade it in. Remember when we all used to do that? Uh, no, I never did that. I never, you never did traded that. your oh, man. I have a I have a story I've told here before of the most bummer thing ever where I traded in my NES to get a Genesis, which was exciting at the time. But then I was sure. like, that that was all of my games for Sonic the Hedgehog, basically, right? Yep. Yeah. I you know so yeah the reputation like obviously PlayStation has a lot of multiplayer games and Xbox has a lot of single player games, but like speaking very generally, PlayStation seems to have have a rep for like narrative driven single player adventures and Microsoft tends to skew a little bit more towards the multiplayer side of things with Halo and other games like that but I would say yeah there are there are a lot of great single player experiences on Xbox um I don't think they're probably quite as strong as PlayStation's first party lineup like God of War and all the uncharted games and Ghost of Tsushima like Spider-Man like the list goes on and on and on um but if you're characterizing it as settling, which the questioner That's, was like, yeah, like, you know, I loved the Halo campaign. All the Gears of War campaigns are on um, on Game Pass. And, you know, I'm sure there's obviously dozens of others. Yeah, the game, I'm playing a bunch on Game Pass, as I brought up on the show. I mean, Tunic and Spirit Fair and like there's a bunch, just a bunch of a bajillion games that are great. Um, I, uh, I, I would add that, like, think about what we just talked about in this show. We talked about a Sony conference, and almost every game that we talked about is also coming to Xbox. Resident Evil yep. is, Dead Space ol- is, Callisto is. The only one that isn't is Final Fantasy 16. And who yeah, knows? And maybe, to, maybe it will someday. To the best of our <laughs> knowledge, right? Like, we, we, we don't know with games like that where they end up as exclusives. So, like, if you look at that lineup and you're excited about that, like, it's 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 equivalent. So, you know, you got to think of the exclusives and, like, how long you want to wait to play those. Because at some, some point, you will be able to play them. Like, they'll... The, the PlayStation, uh, we didn't bring this up, actually. Damon, you had had uh, some, uh, you were looking at a story about how uh, PlayStation is like saying they're ramping up production, right? So there's like an yeah. additional, uh, you know, th- they talked about that this week in addition to having the show. So, you know, I, I think that there's a, uh, there's a good chance that the games that are single player great experiences are also going to be from third parties. I mean, we haven't even heard from Ubisoft, right? Like, what is the next Assassin's Creed? The last Assassin's Creed is amazing. You know, like there's stuff like that where uh, you'll be able to play great games in any system. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's an interesting uh, juncture to ask that question, too, because we are in the thick of like seeing a couple more reveals. And this has been, you know, an M&A season for for everybody kind of scrambling to to scoop up other third party studios to make them first party studios. So I feel like we're going to learn a lot even in just the next week um as uh, all that stuff mm-hmm. unfolds and since you didn't do the hiding behind the canned beats mechanism maybe you can take the beat and the other kind of beat and wait and see how <laughs> all that shakes out that's a really good pun that was a yeah, plus it, it was pretty it good. came out all organically <laughs> uh <laughs> organically guys. organic beats is another good pun you inadvertently made there uh, so uh <laughs> oh nice uh so uh 
Justin, you've been watching Xboxes in stock, and there have been online periods mm-hmm. in which they have been in stock too. So the store shelves are one thing, but like I actually bought one for the office off of Amazon a couple of weeks ago. And I think like afterwards, Justin was like, they're still in stock for like an hour <laughs> later or something like that. Yeah, yeah they were. I, I declared on GameScoop that the Xbox shortage was over because at the time we recorded oh, it, right. it had been, it had been in stock. Like anyone could go buy it on amazon.com for, I think at that point it was like two days, like two full days, mm-hmm. but then that stock ran out and they have not come back. Um, <laughs> speaking generally, yeah, the Xbox stock situation is a lot more stable. Like PS5s, PS5s are still unbelievably, like they're incredibly hard to find. Um, and Xbox is like, if you want to get your hands on an Xbox, you kind of can if you look around enough. Um, this episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, I also wanted to add, by the way, uh, Bethesda games on Xbox. So obviously their back catalog with id Software and Bethesda and Prey and then the core Bethesda games like the Fallouts and the Skyrims. Um, but then obviously everything upcoming as well will be, um, well, you know, we'll see if it's multi-platform, but it is Xbox on and is obviously going to be on the Xbox platforms as well. Yeah, Famously single-player uh, series too. Yeah, so... Sakani, my my simple answer would be that if in your heart, in your mind, you would be settling for an Xbox, I would say don't go for it. In my opinion, it's not settling to go for an Xbox Series X. I have both consoles sitting right here. I like them both. I like the user interface of the PlayStation 5 better. But man, my Xbox (laughs) Series X console is a lot snappier, a lot faster. I get into my games faster, and it has never crashed and failed on me and forced me to reinstall the OS. Like (laughs) Um, 
Now, <laughs> in terms of single player exclusives, there's a lot of potential on the Xbox side because they have Bethesda and they're acquiring Activision. There's, you know, there's going to be Starfield and Redfall and, you know, Indiana Jones and Fable and Perfect Dark and all this stuff. But, you know, we're still just in a holding pattern waiting for all that stuff. However, if you bought an Xbox Series X for an extra $15, instantly you have access mm -hmm. to. Skyrim, Fallout 4, Doom Eternal, Wolfenstein 1 and 2, Dishonored 1 and 2, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Jedi Fallen Order, Titanfall 2, Slay the Spire, Dead Cells, Hades, Halo Infinite, Maneater, Guardians of the Galaxy, Monster Train, Mortal Kombat 11, The Outer Worlds, a bunch of Yakuza's, my list goes on, Sakunas 2, Spelunky 2, mm. Tunic, and that's just like my cherry-picked list of games that I like. There's like dozens why did you, dozens Why more. did you have the three of us answer this? You, you, you <laughs> had it all ready to go. It was a test, then we failed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to. I, I let you. I let my panel. I, I'm not. I. This isn't. Uh, this isn't a, a place for me to just <laughs> monologue. <laughs> look, but please look forward to that podcast in the future. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> we call that the, the Davy yeah. Awards. You know, it really grinds my gears. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> This is Matt from the UK. What's up, Scoop Crew? Love the podcast. I love it so much that I've made a little game that I think you Ooh. guys will like. My home office has my collection of retro consoles. Some of them still have their boxes. While looking at them the other day, when I should have been working, I was amused by some of the descriptions and copy on the boxes. So the game for the team is to guess the console based on the line of copy. Five consoles to guess, uh, and I've done them in, I think, ascending order of difficulty, he says. Good luck. Okay, so, so this is like the back of a console box. It would or say the, something about it, or the front. Or the front. It's actually is ascending. Is this hardest first or easiest first? What is it? I which is ascending? I, <laughs> well, easiest first. Yeah, I would ascending. think ascending order of difficulty would be easiest first. Got yeah. it. Okay. So, which retro game box would say portable full color handheld game system? Game Gear. Ga game Gear. It is the Game Gear. So you would think. You go. <laughs> We so, have images. Wow, look how it's played. It's hilarious. I so I'm, my game gear box was that one. I had like a pink one. Well, Same, remember this is this is from the UK. So maybe they're different packaging. Cool. Yeah, that's that looks like the mm -hmm. Master System packaging. I was just gonna say that's interesting that they copied the Master System packaging for the Game Gear, <laughs> considering the Master System was not very successful. But it it was more successful in Europe than it was in the United States, I think. Do you think that do you think the Vita also said portable full color handheld game system on the front of its box? <laughs> Maybe I mean, that's, it could that's have. coming up. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I've always been impressed that Nintendo keeps on touting the Switch as full color. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. Next one, next one. Which one would say, what box would say 64-bit interactive multimedia system? Mm. I think it's a trap. I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the N64. I bet it's the Jaguar. <laughs> It is Multi the Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The Jaguar. 64-bit interactive multimedia system. Remember, this is the early 90s. Multimedia yeah. was a big buzzword back then. That yeah, was like the multiverse of the early 90s. You, what was the CD-ROM dictionary at the time? Oh, Encarta? Yeah, Encarta. Yeah. Do you think it had Encarta 94 <laughs> on it? Probably. Yeah, I just I couldn't imagine Nintendo describing their console as a multimedia system. They still They still wouldn't do stuff like that. You know, 
I was today years old when I realized the R has like Jaguar claw marks. Oh yeah. On it. Oh. I, I never picked up on that before. This one came with the power kit. Means you can you can plug it in. Yeah. Sam, do you like how Atari has the uh, American flag over it? <laughs> yeah. What's that about? I, well, a- I mean, unfortunately, I think Atari had to at that time especially be like very clear that they weren't made in Japan or a Japanese company, even though they had a Japanese term for their name based out of Sunnyvale, California. Sunnyvale, California. Okay. Next one. Number three, portable color entertainment system features multiplayer capability, high resolution graphics, battery saver, backlight switch four channel sound. Lynx. It is the Lynx. You guys are. Yeah. Justin pulling through. That is the that is the Atari Lynx. I have uh, never seen or held an Atari Lynx in my hand or played one. Wow! I like how that, that box is so corny. Under the picture, it says actual size. <laughs> More things should say that on the this box. Lynx, this Lynx was not enlarged to show texture. Um, Look at the buttons. Look, I've always been so fascinated by the buttons on the Atari Lynx. Yeah, there's weird buttons. Also, this is I think they they made a revised version that was bigger. I think this one the screen looks so small to me here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, last one. Hold on. Do you think I have one more? Do you think there's any like so the Game Gear has like a couple of shmups and like other games that like you know it get like it's good like it's got a library of stuff. Like, is there anything? Are there any games on the Lynx that like yeah like you should play the Lynx version of blah like. Does anyone know? Like, is there I don't any know. exclusive? Is that Rygar on the on the advertising? Yeah, yes, right. Yeah, there was a there was a flying game that was like Afterburner. Which one was it? Like, um, yeah, like blue, it was Blue Thunder or Blue Lightning. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm googling best Atari Lynx games. We can we can move on. I, it's, blue, it's, it's Blue Lightning. I think that one blue was kind of like Rampart. Showcase. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna I be mean, a bunch of like great ports because I think yeah. the ports were really cool. Yeah. Oh, there's a Stun Racer. Stun Runner, sorry, Stun Runner was on the Lynx too. Just pretty yeah, cool. Rygar. I don't know that there's any exclusives on the Lynx. I think the Lynx just had cool versions of like other games. It has the Atari or the arcade version of Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, Xenophobe. Okay, yeah, we can move yeah. on. There's, there's some cool. There's some cool games. Okay, last one, and apparently the the most difficult one according to Matt in the UK. <clears throat> arcade graphics and sound, new dimensions in gameplay, the ultimate computer game console. Uh, new dimensions in gameplay. Virtual Boy? Not the Virtual Boy, no. Ah, I thought that was like... I mean, it just sounds like Neo Geo to me, but like, I wonder if... um, Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it could just be like Philips CDI or 3DO or something like that. Let's give it... Let's hear it one more time, Damon. 3DO, maybe because of the dimensions. Arcade graphics and sound. New dimensions in gameplay. The ultimate computer game console. Yeah, I mean, I uh, my best Compu- guess is some version of the Neo Geo, like the Wonder Swan or something. Yeah, computer game console. What like that's a very sort of odd. Mm-hmm. Like I you know I don't know Commodore sixty four or something like that. Yeah, computer game console is odd. I'm once again I'm going to guess it's because this was released in the UK. This is the Sega yeah. Mega Mega Drive. Oh. Weird. Because oh, remember, like in the eighties, computer gaming was so much bigger in the UK than it yeah. was for us. Arcade hit altered beast in quotes. Altered mm-hmm. beast. It's kind of like I, mi- I missed the third one. Oh yeah, okay. So uh, sorry, there's one more. I missed the third one. <laughs> oh, I thought we were done. Back up the hill. Oh, no. Yeah, back up. This one should be easier. Experience the ultimate in video entertainment. 
Oh, isn't that that's just, just the NES? NES, right? It's the NES. Yeah. The ultimate in video entertainment. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's the only one that I like actually recognized. Uh, Any questions yet? Well, well done. <laughs> well done. And thank you, Matt from the UK. This is Bryson from Chicago. Neighbors to Sakani. Uh, greetings. All the Silent Hill and Metal Gear remake rumors got me thinking, why don't video game developers and publishers just announce what they're working on right when they begin working on it? Why all the secrecy? I can't think of any other entertainment medium that operates that way with projects that are in development. When Warner Brothers or Disney decide to make a new TV show or movie, they almost what? always immediately announce that it's in development along with the cast, directors, producers, etc. That's not true. <laughs> Why do games go about it differently? Is it the long development times? Is it because a large percentage of games never actually get out of early, de- early development? I'd love to hear your thoughts. So, so Justin, you don't think all, it's true? No, like we have, we know what, we know the next four or five Marvel movies and there's a billion projects that are in development that are unannounced, right? Like it's completely same with Star Wars, same with all of that stuff. It's a managed, you know, a managed marketing cycle like anything else is. I think it makes it seem different though because they take shorter times to make. I was going to say also, it may seem different because there are more incremental announcements, like character by character in the entertainment world, um, in the Hollywood world, you'll get like character by character announcements of who's playing as what specific characters, because there's, a, I think there's just a little bit more gravitas to it, more celebrity to it. So you can spread out the marketing more as opposed to with games, you're a little bit like, all right, there's a teaser trailer, there's a cinematic trailer, there's a gameplay trailer, there's another gameplay trailer, there's a boss trailer, whatever it might be, or boss gameplay, whatever um, but I think it really ultimately comes down to like people being hesitant or studios, publishers, marketing teams being hesitant to set themselves up for failure uh, because a lot of expectations are wrapped up in any sense of any kind of announcement. And especially with game development, it's just super unpredictable and really complex uh, to pull off a game. I'm not to say that, you know, making movies and TV shows aren't complicated, but there's just so much more that can go awry in game development. And I think they get nervous to you know, speak too soon, set up those expectations. And then the next time that something needs to change, like the puddles in Spider-Man aren't quite what they used to be. And there's a ton of backlash. Like nobody wants to, you know, be in that kind of, find themselves in that kind of situation. Yeah. And I think there are also a lot of um, examples of games that are announced very early on. Like Rockstar has, has announced that it is working on GTA 6, even though it hasn't actually Revealed GTA 6, right? There's well, it's also been like rumored <laughs> announcements for so long. Maybe they just wanted to own the message at a point in yeah. time. I mean, like, yes, yes, we're I, working on it. I think Starfield's another example, you know. Like, you know, the question being phrased is like, why don't they announce them early? I think I would rephrase it as like, well, why would they? Like, what's in it for them? Like, what benefit yeah. is there to the developer or publisher to let people know six years early that they're making, you know, Fallout 5? Like, those announcements are tied to marketing beats and frequently tied to like, you know, pre-order like transactional opportunities to sort of start driving toward the ultimate goal of like, let's sell as many copies of this thing as we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I can come up with two reasons why they would want to do an announcement early and they're very different from each other. One is that they might be crowdfunding, right? So that's one where you just like, this game is just like an idea right now. We need to crowdfund it. So we need to get a bunch of people together and, and, you know, make that happen. That, that, there's some examples of that. Of course, we all know them. Um, I mean like sourcing for talent because that's definitely, no, I mean, Kickstarter. Oh, I see. Okay. So not like a formal, like triple a publisher. Yeah. It's like, we need to actually have the fans 
raise the money for this game. Uh, and then the other is that uh, there's two examples of something we're talking about today uh, of, of games that are ultra transparent in their development. And that's like Dead Space, uh, for example. And, and, and I guess to a lesser extent, um, Starfield, but where they show these dev diaries and talk about the game so extensively that sometimes the development pivots on fan response. So they want fan, this happens more with Kickstarter too, so that they're kind of overlap, but they want like the community to kind of shape the outcome of the game. Mm. Um, that's very unusual, but it happens. And I think that you kind of have to expect that if you have, um, if you're going to build a, a, an intense fan community that really has ownership in the game, maybe you want to like go really early. Mm-hmm. I, I had one other point Sorry. I wanted to make too. Go ahead, Doug. Oh, well, I, I was just going to add a third one. Go ahead, yeah. Which is that sometimes they do announce projects because they're sourcing for talent, and then you could be a little bit more mm-hmm. transparent in saying, like, this is the project we're working on and we're looking for a narrative designer because it's very story-focused kind of experience. Mm-hmm. So for they, hiring and recruitment, essentially. Yeah, there's a real material difference in the way that video games are made and the way that movies are made, even as the two mediums sort of come together and they're looking feel like they're these big entertainment events. But, like, video games are made by a studio and that crew, you know, it's all done in-house although certainly things can be contracted out so on and so forth but movies are not made that way like movies are made by a crew of people that are often many different unions that come together for that project and then they break apart right and so they have to you can't keep a movie a secret it's impossible like because once that movie is greenlit and a crew of people are going to come together and shoot that movie you can't just surprise announce that you filmed indiana jones 5 but you can do that with a movie because it's all done inside. It's done behind those closed doors of that studio. Um, so like if Amy Hennig or whomever goes to work somewhere else, like there's no, like you can't hide what a director is doing, but you can hide what like a video game art tour is doing because it's a crew of people all doing it inside this specific office in a way that it's not, um, you know, an external third party crew of DPs and sound people and above the line and below the line producers making that movie. Sure. Some movies do shoot under code names for production, and yeah. they may like they may like build like stuff to try and block out what they're shooting. But point yeah. taken, it's much harder to keep it a secret than a game. And they also that's part of like going back to my Marvel example to give a slightly less flippant answer than what I opened with. Like because so much of Marvel is done in house now and in that kind of almost more like video game style. Like it does allow them like they do they can film stuff in secret, you know, and kind of announce it when it's a little bit farther down the line or cast things in secret like they've reached a point where where um you know it's different than the way that like you know, i don't know like a warner brothers would make a movie mm-hmm. uh, extracurricular activities Ooh, is, is everyone watching obi-wan kenobi oh uh, no we were doing stranger things first ah okay nice um what do you think i i i bounced off stranger things i think in season two Oh, oh a lot man! Of people say that. I really like this the season four though. Are you liking I, it so far, Justin? I do too. I like I the first episode is such whiplash. Like, that show has a billion characters now, and I think I legitimately think there's like five plots. There's like an A B C D E plot that it keeps cutting between, and it's insane. And like that was tough for me. Like I was kind of teasing about it a little bit on social media, but like I'm completely engrossed now. Like once you sort of get reoriented into this 1980s world and these characters and actually all the plots are important and it feels like I'm, I don't, I'm like five episodes in and it feels like they're all going to build in like a really satisfying way where all those storylines come together. And like, it's just a really, really well done season of television. And you can, I, I feel like I can see where the money went. 
Like mm. that shows $30 million an episode and it looks like it, like it does each, like I, you, I, my eyes rolled into the back of my head when the, when the directors were like, each episode feels like a movie, but like, it really does. Like, it feels like they made like seven movies almost. And, um, it's as that, long as movies from the eighties would yeah. have been too. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, it's exactly. And I just, I can't like, I, I, it, it's like the horror aspects are really, really creepy and horrifying and horrible. And then the action scenes feel like really well done, satisfying action scenes. Like every aspect of it, I think is like delivering for me. I'm actually, I'm really, really enjoying it so far. Yeah, I really like season four. And even though, because I've heard that criticism a lot too, like even though there are a lot of characters, they are all going through their personal character arcs. So you're seeing development and you're Mm -hmm. seeing it through the lens of like, these are young kids and they're kind of figuring their life out. And a lot of them are awkward and like maybe they make the wrong calls in certain moments, but they're maturing as you see them go through the seasons. And that's cool to see. It almost feels like a Toy Story experience where you're like growing up alongside um, the characters that you're watching. And it's the darkest one yet. So Mm -hmm. like as they're growing up and maturing, so is the show in a lot of ways the uh the temptation by season four which they announced season four and then five is going to be the last one like the temptation to have it be like well you know this is the nerd and this is the jock and this is the tech guy but like it's not that like you're right each character is still going through character growth and development that they have to you know dedicate time to and like you know these these satisfying sort of narrative journeys that they're all going on it's great Damon, you should pick it back up. And even well, season yeah. season three is really fun too. That's a season in the mall, so it's got like a good sort of thing that it orients itself around. This, okay. if you, we don't need to up, upsell Damon on this anymore, but we haven't mentioned yet that this season is a horror show and it's gory mm-hmm. AF. It is yeah, it crazy. Is. Well, it's pretty disturbing okay. in moments. Okay, all yeah. right. That's the, all right. That's now you're speaking my language. It's yeah. it's kind of unbelievable. Like I, I what? The, the, we totally okay. Yeah. All right, but we did totally language. co-opt Damon's topic. Yeah. I want to talk about Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, and and let's say no, we won't, we won't share any spoilers here. Um, I like Obi Wan. I actually liking it a lot. How about you Me guys? Me too. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I can't wait for each episode. Like I, I, it's the thing I'm looking forward to the most in my life, entertainment wise, right now. I love it. It's, it's only six episodes long, so like they're actually able to do really significant stuff in every episode. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a great pace. I mean, so I'm not up to date. I haven't seen this this week's episode, actually. But um, so far from the two episodes I've seen, feels like a good pace. And it's the most connected to like core characters from the core franchise. So mm-hmm. I think that's also a good fan service thing too. It makes it feels more grounded in that sense. Yeah, like it, it was revealed long ahead of time that Darth Vader would be in it. So this isn't a spoiler. My favorite part of the show is just everything between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader is like mm-hmm. amazing top tier Star Wars stuff. It's like a payoff from the prequels 20 years ago that we never expected to get. They, they handled yep. it really, really well. Yeah, and, and all the connections to A New Hope are, are, are fantastic. Um, there's You always knew that Obi-Wan Darth Vader had like, had some kind of encounter. And so we saw that like in episode three, the Mustafar one, which is like, like, I don't think that's very good. A lot of people like that movie now. And, and you know, that scene is is kind of, you know, famous now and infamous yeah. in some ways but like you want to kind of see obi-wan and darth vader have more than the thing we always knew that that, that darth vader gets chopped up in a lava pit right yeah. and so like <laughs> i hope we get to see more of that in this and like that's where they're edging towards um and then the uh the i will say that the latest episode has a bullshit fight in it that i think is handled in such a corny way with a bunch of things that happened that like i'm so shocked that they left in it it's and the rest of the series has been great but the last 10 minutes of the latest episode i think were were just remarkably bad 
What? Yeah, I, don't know why. <laughs> I, I heard about I heard that same. Well, like I heard it compared to the city chase scene in Boba Fett where I haven't seen Obi-Wan yet, where like these Star Wars TV shows seem to kind of have a little bit of a problem with their action scenes these days. So, Damon, let me just qualify that with saying the fact that the things in that those scenes happen is cool and the characters in those scenes are cool, but the setting is really dumb and the force use is really dumb. Wow, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say that because I think I liked all of it. But maybe yeah. we'll have to we'll have to discuss more maybe after we're done taping. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. That that part was great. Um, I still loved it, but I think it was bullshit. And they could it's just like it's disappointing at, at the at the clip the show is going so far. And by the way, I I like the um the hunters the the, the inquisitors a lot too. I was gonna I think say that's like a cool theme. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that's the weak part of the show for me. The inquisitors, uh, they just seem kind of goofy. They're not menacing or scary they're not those things but, but i do like yeah. how their motivations are to, to be betray each other i, like, I mean that's like, very it's like the dark side of the force they're all yeah. just jerks i, I get that funny. I, I like i like that part of it like the yeah. sith will eat themselves they can't they yeah, can't exactly. ever like they can't ever like get along yeah. i like that part of it but just they, they just seem like kind of like goofy caricatures whereas like they're handling darth vader in like a really like cool scary way yeah, definitely. Like the end of uh, Rogue One, uh, Darth yeah. Vader was like my favorite Darth Vader scene ever. Yeah, and I yeah. think like like I want to see more of that. <clears throat> yeah, like in, if you think about the original trilogy, like we don't see Darth Vader kill anyone except his own generals. <laughs> yeah, that's right. so you know, not too many spoilers, but you do see Darth Vader do some really, 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 really bad stuff. Yeah, I heard originally he was going to chop up a bunch of Ewoks, but then they cut that. Uh. He shoots down. He was he shoot down Porkins in um in a New Hope, or maybe that might be just a generic. He does kill people does with his spaceship. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, I, okay. I didn't consider yeah, that. He does shoot it. down some pilots, sure, but not. He, I he doesn't know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I like Obi Wan. Enjoying that. I also saw Top Gun. Oh man, I, like, I want to see Top Gun in the theater. Oh, how was? Oh it? yeah, I'm glad I saw it in the theater. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I, lots of people love it, but I think it those tend to be the people that are like super fans of the original. I'm not a super fan of the original. I, I like it well enough, but it's the it's not in my like top twenty of eighties oh, movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm much more like a Terminator, Predator, Commando yeah. kind of guy. You have to really like volleyball to like Top. Yeah, but it's totally it's a totally fun, entertaining movie. I liked it a lot. I recommend seeing it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Did it give you motion sickness? No. Not at all. I don't usually get motion sickness. Well, you're not going to get a box quote by saying that. <laughs> it didn't give me motion sickness. I just didn't feel And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Robert in Austin, Texas. Tina, do you know Robert? Oh, maybe. <laughs> hey, Rob. <laughs> Let the questioning begin. Is this a PlayStation exclusive? No. Always got to go for the meta. Mm-hmm. Um, is this from before 2000? Yes. Is it from before 1990? Yes. Okay. I was thinking it might be a Star Wars 90s game, mm. a Phantom Menace spinoff. Could be a, could be a Star Wars 80s game. <laughs> a Star Wars 80s game. Is it an arcade game? No. Whoa. Is it an NES game? Yes, that's five. So on a console exclusive NES game, of which there were many. That's great, but it's great to narrow down that there's no arcade game. Is this a licensed game? No. Is it part of a series? 
No. Whoa, I think we got Kid Nicky Radical Ninja lined up here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Snake, rattle, and roll. Um, Is the company that made this game still in existence today? Yes. Cool. Ooh. Was this made in Japan? No. Oh. Okay, okay. Square or Atari? Rare? Uh, RC Pro-Am? Sorry, I meant Rare, not Square, yes. Yes, RC Pro M. That's rare, right? Yep. Trade, trade West. Milton Bradley. Um, so uh was this made in uh in Europe or Britain? Yes, that's ten. Uh is it a rare game? Yes. Okay. Uh do you do you race RC cars? No. Oh. <laughs> I, one time I looked up the list of rare games for NES recently, and there's so oh, many. Oh, well, there you go. It's like dozens yeah. and dozens and dozens. But, but Snake, they, there's Snake so many, Rattle Roll is one of them. There's a couple that are well-known. Um, and then yeah. what's the... Does Battletoads count? Set them? Yeah, I think so. Does that count as a series? I just, I oh, it's definitely a series. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. But Battletoads versus Double Dragon is not a series. Only one of those. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, so a one-off rare game. Um, let's. Should see. we ask if it's if it was well received? We haven't used that one in a while. Yeah, that'd be great. Damon, was it well well received? Not really. No. Can, can oh. you pull up the Sushi X review? <laughs> um. Mm. So it, this might be in the rare replay collection. We could ask that. I don't know if oh, that would yeah. help, though. Yeah, it's got to be. What was there? Is so there was attic attack. Um, but it there, wasn't well received, so theoretically, it wouldn't be in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they just threw. They tossed. It's not like literally all their games, but they tossed a bunch of junk in in that collection. Mm. Did they? Um, there is <clears> the what's the wolf one? Wolf one. Um. I don't know. I can't remember. Is this? Uh, is, do you play as a human in this game? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, with yes. an asterisk. <laughs> yes, what are you laughing asterisk. at? Why is that so funny? Yeah. Okay. That eliminated some games. Uh, what about? It could what about, be. A, oh, what's what? the boat game that they made that everybody loves? Cobra. Some Cobra Triangle. Is that Cobra them? Triangle? Yeah. Do you pilot a vehicle of some sort in this game? No, that's 15. Uh, okay. <laughs> what um, about a jetpack? Was that on the NES? No, I don't think it came to Amiga. Um, I think this is going to be a game that like everybody knows. Like, it's just going to be one that like is you a ubiquitous NES game that's like just kind of like you know crummy in there. I don't think about. I feel like I've run through all the rare NES games I can think of. I mean, we have a hint there somewhere. With the human, but with an asterisk. Yeah, we can narrow it down by genre in some way. I mean, like, I thought it would be one of these driving or or boating games, but it's not. So that's good to know. Um, Human with an asterisk. (laughs) Why is that so funny? Why is it funny if you play as a human? I don't get it. Because it's got to be like it's a human, but there's some sort of caveat. Like a werewolf? Or just you just look really stupid in it. Uh, it could be like there's uh, that's not rare though. There's like Mile and Seeker Castle and Solomon's Key and like things like that. Like what are those rare games? Um, uh, is this like a puzzle solving game? No, it's not the Lolos. I know those weren't rare. 
Should we go perspective to narrow it down? Yeah, is it a side or scroller? Genre? Is it a side scroller? No. Uh oh. Man, we were doing so good. It could be a board game. Did Rare, I just, I really, did Rare really make that many NES games? I only Dude. know them for like five that we've already. Yeah, it's ran crazy. Through. They made like weird ones like Digger T Rock, like stuff like oh. that. It's just, it's just all over the place. Yeah. See. Um, okay. So I think if it's not one of like the more well-known ones, you're probably forgetting. I think it'll be a well-known one. Oh, I, I think it's a well-known one. Have we said the name of this game yet? No. Uh, so one more question and then a guess. Oh boy. Could it be a sports game? Did they do any sporties? Usually that's Atari and uh Konami. Yeah, without the I mean it could be like a, a fighting like kung fu game, but those are all side scrollers. What would be a game that's not a side scroller? I think it'd be sport. And we know it's not. We know it's not racing because we eliminated vehicles. Um, could be a top-down shooter. Racing be on a foot. Too. Yeah, and you're a person. Oh, maybe it's on like one of those like top-down shooty Akari Warriors tile games. I wonder if they made something like that. Those are usually Japanese, though. Yeah, Sam, you probably own this game. Oh, you for probably sure. have it. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's a and whole other story. <laughs> we're almost out of time, so I don't think we're going to get this. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. Um, Same. What haven't we asked, Damon? Mm. <clears throat> trying to think what would be a beneficial question to ask. Oh, we're in trouble. It's not the Bomberman type stuff, because that's a puzzle. We've eliminated so many, so many categories of game already. Like, it's kind of crazy. It could only really be sports and action. It's these crappy... You know, one-off games. And so many rare games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I think we're going to have to give up. So, um... You're seeding your time? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what'd you say? You're seeding your time. your time. Seeding your time. Uh, is, this a, is this a sci-fi game? No. Oh. Yes. Rip. I'm officially I can, done. If there's no guess, I can reveal the game. Yeah, please. I did not pick this intending to stump you. I thought you could get here. It's a fairly infamous NES game. Trying to narrow down genre is tough because this game has no gameplay. Oh, is it Taboo? The Sixth Taboo, Sense? Taboo, The Sixth Sense. So close on the board game thing. The tarot card yeah. reading game from Rare. 1989, wow. published by Trade West. Ah, oh, and I even had the Trade West. Darn it. Trade West Darn is not it. Tetris was swallowed up by Midway in the 90s, and then they're not around anymore. So, yeah, it's, we, it's like a tarot gar- card game. All you do is you ask, you ask predetermined questions, and then they deal the cards, and it tells you your fortune. And that's all you do in this game. This was a rental for me. I spent the whole weekend doing that. <laughs> what a bummer game to rent. Yeah. All right, that was a good one. I really like that. It's also, I've, I've, never, I've never heard of this. Yeah, a rare developed game. So, like, this is 1989. The NES was a huge phenomenon. It was very mainstream. Mostly, you know, kids were playing it, but then there are also like adults playing it. And game developers were trying to figure out what would like hit with adults. And so they yeah. were experimenting with stuff like this. Yeah. Also notable, this is a sci-fi game, by the way. Also notable, there's like a couple instances of nudity in the game, which is very yeah. unusual to get by. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a male buttocks mm-hmm. and then a, a topless like female priestess in the game. Yeah. Unusual. And I, I think there's some like religious icon- iconography in there too. 
Anyway, know. that feels like the bigger deal to me. Well, no I mean, crosses yeah, in their NES games. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Taboo the Sixth Sense. Thank you for the suggestion. Robert in Austin, Texas, and I'm getting Tina out right at the buzzer. She has yeah. a heart out right, at, nice right in one minute. Thanks, Damon. <laughs> That's all the scoops we have for you this week. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Red working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. We'll uh, catch you next week. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop. We're out. I want Sam to All stick right. around. Yeah, yeah, we'll have a post show. I can't believe all my own brethren in Austin stumped us. Come on, I man. know. Typical Rob from yeah. Austin. Seriously. That was hard. Right, guys. I'm about all right. To- right. Bye, Tina. See, see ya uh, later. Bye. Oh, there you go, dude. When? Yeah. Oh wait, Red. If you haven't watched Obi Wan, you may want to sign off. At least from we'll say we'll say it here in Discord. Yeah. Thanks, Red. Dude, when he you didn't like when he dragged Obi. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.